Hey, Nathan. How are you? I'm well, thanks. How are you going, mate? Good. What are you talking about today? All right. So what I thought I'd do is first start off with a small story. And in the last two, two to three years, two and a half, I think now, working from home has had its uh, ups and downs, but it's certainly had its moments as well. Mm-hmm. And something that really um, comes to mind for me was when I was giving a pretty important presentation. So um, when you work with like high profile clients and you're presenting something for them to, you know, more or less sign off on, you want to make sure that you get your point across in a very clear and uninterrupted manner. And then it just so happened at that point, my then three-year-old comes into the room demanding to have a sandwich made for her because she was very hungry. (laughs) And while I tried to be as reasonable as I could, it was not a situation that was going to manage itself out of it. Fortunately for me, everybody on the call took it in very good spirits and thought it was highly amusing that I had to help my uh, three-year-old daughter with a sandwich while I was also talking them through (laughs) major presentations. So the reason I bring this up is today I wanted to talk about the the current situation we're finding ourselves in in the workforce and what we think the future of work means when it comes to working from home or in the office or hybrid, as we now call it. Uh, so that's the topic today, um, and I'll, I'll kick things off. So welcome to Cloud Street, podcast where Duncan and I now like to talk about interesting topics via video uh, uh, that we think is you know either relevant for either one of us or just something that we think would be worth exploring. So Duncan, uh, just to kick things off, what does you know your work arrangement look like at the moment, and what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, so this is a sort of controversial-esque topic where some people can have strong views one way or the other. <laughs> and I think we're kind of going through sort of normalization. Um, so at Ed Roller, the different teams choose what makes sense for them. Um, and that I think kind of makes sense. But to me, I think this is what I wanted to get into. There isn't one right answer, I think. Um, and I think that working from home has features and bugs and working from the office has features and bugs. So it's not like one is unequivocally better than the other. And so to me, I would say that for the vast majority of roles, that there's some hybrid. And so I think most people have landed on three office, two home. And that feels like a good balance to me. Um, And so the team that I work with the most, it's it's the same three days. Because if you go to the office and half the people aren't there, then it's not really as much of a point. You want to be able to speak to people. Um, So to me, we can sort of dig into the details. And the other one is like, what kind of company are you trying to be? Um, And I think that that varies and also there's many variables so to me some things like you know we have remote call centers or whatever you don't want to have to go and speak to the call center person when you're on the phone to the, the, the phone company in person you know and I, I don't really mind where they are in the world just mind if they do a good job you know <laughs> and so to me yeah I, I don't know if that's any help yeah i think it's interesting um so whether it's a um, privilege or responsibility i think both Duncan and i are in a position where we're kind of like setting the policy rather than just being um you know uh exposed to it and so what that means is that we do like at least um as duncan has explained just now but also i have to think about what it means for um the work in my office at my company that i work for um when it comes to how we want people to to work together and whether or not that includes enforcing or compelling or encouraging people to come back into the office after having worked from home for the last two and a bit years. So what I think is really interesting is just to give a quick background, up until you know 2019, 
the the conventional wisdom, as I put it, it has been that modern workforce require people to work from an office. And I think that more or less has been designed because as Duncan has <laughs> informed me, you know, it was really a technological limitation. And I think a lot of that is fair. But the other idea of it is that people who work together are much more productive. Uh, then COVID hits and it was quite, um, you know, the timing of it was quite incredible because it was at that time where technology such as, you know, remote um, remote meeting or virtual meeting uh, tools like Zoom really picked up, remote messaging like Slack really picked up, and even tools that allow you to collaborate online were just coming onto the scene as well. And then suddenly everyone gets told that you now have to stay home. And so work picks that up as, well, how the hell are we going to continue working this way? And so we went from this very diametrically opposed uh, experience of working full-time in an office, you know, nine to five or whatever hours you're doing, to staying at home all day. And the the shift in that experience, I thought, was quite profound. Hmm. I suppose one of the things that I sort of said to people is, you know, during lockdown, say in Australia uh, or Melbourne, I'm in Melbourne, there was periods where you weren't allowed to see anybody else, literally. <laughs> and you, you know, I live by myself um, and you could only go 5K from your home, et cetera. Uh, and so people were doing like online, you know, Zoom, you know, catch-ups or whatever. And um, how many people are still doing Zoom catch-ups now you can see people in person? Like almost zero, right? So to me, it's like, oh yeah, mum, it's going to be a remote son. Like I think you want every channel. So you want whatever messaging, you want to be able to have a phone call. Sometimes you have a video call because you want to show her something or she wants to show you something. But then you also have in-person. So to me, it's not about, I only do in-person and I never, we don't have a family, you know, WhatsApp or, or I, you know, I don't ever take. So it's, it's all of them. But if I had to pick one, it, above all others, it would be in-person. So it's like, hey, James, you're just going to be a remote father. You're like, ah, oh, no, you know, you know, that it's going to send you some photos and you video call, you know? So to me, I don't think anyone has said, I'm going to be a remote son or a remote family member. I'm going to be a remote friend. Um, James lives in a different city, you know, and the kind of catch-ups we catch in person are very different. So to me, it's like, there's definitely something there. And this is one of the key things. Like, to me, relationships are the communication upon which relation, so, uh, the infrastructure upon which communication occurs. I mess it up. Relationships are the infrastructure upon which communication occurs. So if you have a strong relationship with somebody at work, you'll talk about lots of things. If you have a weak relationship, you literally avoid talking to them. And as they say, relationships are built from doing nothing together, not something together. And there's so much incidental doing nothing together time. Like you just say, hey, how are you in the morning with somebody? And you learn about them. Or you bump into them in the kitchen, talk about this. Or there's the pre-meeting and the post-meeting after the meeting. And so work became so extraordinarily transactional remotely. And it was so hard to build relationships. And so I think this is one of the core arguments for why you should go to the office. It doesn't mean you should go over there every day, in my opinion. But it's so much harder to build relationships remotely to me. Mm. So, I mean, I really, it took me a while to get around to um, the saying, I don't know if it's yours, Duncan, or if you picked it up somewhere, but relationships are formed from doing nothing together. Um, and I guess, yeah. if I can, I guess, you know, paraphrase it, it's, it's this idea of you don't actually have a, you know, an objective or a task that's bringing you together. You, you come together of, of its own merit, and then you might choose to do something, um, you know, by, by virtual spending time together, not necessarily just because you're in proximity with someone and you're doing absolutely nothing that that forms the relationship. Is that a fair Yeah, 
Also, an example is like when you're younger at school, at say university, you have lots of social time and you'll make friends or whatever. And then you might work with someone. So for instance, you can have like one night out with somebody and you have met them once and you see them down the road two years later and you're like, buddy, what's up? And you can work with someone for two years, right? And then you see them down the road, you know, two years later and you're like, oh my God, please don't see me, please don't see me. Um, and so you've done lots of stuff together, but you haven't actually built any relationship capital off it. Mm-hmm. And so to me, this is sort of the interesting thing to get into it. Like, I think you want to be able to have incidental chats with people, but you also want to be able to have deep work time or focus time. And so to me, this three, two balance feels about right. And so for instance, Monday, everyone at home, you save up mega blocks of work for Monday. So I said, there's different sizes of work. There's like minutes, hours, days, weeks, you know, months, you know, sort of thing. And I suppose nothing's really a week long in meaning, but like there's definitely once a week, a piece of work that's about a day long. And so one of the things which I sort of thought about, but it didn't end up happening is like no meeting Monday. So we all work from home on Monday and there's also no meetings and no Slack either, which is an instant messaging sort of app so that you get this clear day. And if you're in the office, you can't not be interrupted by people or chat a little bit. So it's actually interrupting and chatting is called building relationships. Interrupting and chatting is called distracting you from work. You know, so you kind of want both of them. <laughs> you want the time to be able to do this. So, so save up a mega block of work for that mega block of time when you're not going to be interrupted. Don't try to put it in the middle of like a busy intersection. So I think like there was a, there was a lot of stuff I wanted to go through, uh, but I'm going to jump to the idea that this, um, the, the, the theme I think that we can anchor on is relationship. And the idea around like whether companies are trying to argue that people should come back to work full time or whether they think that they can work fully remote. Um, at the end of the day, I think the, the concept of what is a relationship with each other that you work with and what is your relationship with the company is a, is a, is a really pertinent topic. Um, and what I mean by that is, so, you know, what is a business? One definition I've heard is that a business is a collection of people who are all aligned on a similar uh, objective, right? If you if you could have it all run by machines, then you would it would be like an automaton just uh, just running round uh, like rounding out a bunch of scripts, etc. So you've got to work with other people, and I think you know we talked about this in the past where you know the complexities that come from human interaction, things like getting political or getting emotional, these are all features, not bugs of the human condition. And so how do you figure that out? And so what I think about is when I listen to, you know, the two extremes of, um, of, of or the two extreme examples are, you've got Elon on one side saying, you, you all must come back to work, at least when he said to his leadership team. And I don't know if it applied to all Tesla employees. Every Tesla employee, minimum 40 hours in the office. Right. So he's basically arguing that, you know, it's, it's a non-negotiable, everyone works full-time in the office. And then you can think Not about- full-time because they work a lot more than 40 hours. Well, um, yeah, but from a legal definition standpoint, like- if you I mean, are, this is, They're smack. Like, a lot of them are doing 80 to 100 hours at Tesla. Yeah. If you're, you know, okay. so they could work half the time at home. They just had to be in the office for a minimum of 40 hours. Yeah. Do, do you think if it was, do you think he could legally enforce people to work more than 40 hours a week? I don't know the, the ins and outs of the US legal system. Anyway. So there are different states, like, you know, this is getting too deep, but the right to work states, which is Texas. And as an understanding that there's very, very different rights there as there are in California. So to yep. me, you're talking about Australian law, which is, I don't think at all relevant. Okay. So you've got Elon on one side saying 40 hours a week in the office. 
Um, and then you've got companies like Atlassian and, and Zapier and a few others on the, on the other end of the spectrum who says like, you can now choose to work wherever you want. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's a really, really interesting input. And so what are your thoughts on the arguments for, for those two uh, variations? I mean, there are, there are two different kinds of businesses a very oversimplification. One where you know what to do and one where you don't know what to do. And so if you know what to do, it doesn't really matter. You know, you just need, so let's just say you need five different types of roles. You need a backend engineer and a front end engineer and a UX designer and, you know, whatever, right? Um, and if you get someone, you make progress. But if you have one of those pieces missing, you don't make progress. And so to me, it's like, well, just get someone, you know, better than nobody, wherever they are. Um, but when you don't know what to do, that's where the mixing of ideas, and they call the mixing of ideas, you so companies together or large groups of people are able to do something significantly more than an individual and also something significantly worse, like they can commit mass genocide. So the upside and the downside go up, right? And so in some respects, how much upside you have, which is called emergence, is related to how much interrelationships or interlinking you have between people. So it's not like, you know, is there a really weak link between me and James or a really strong one, but then how many do you have? And then how often is stuff mixing? And so if your business is trying to do something that's not being done before, or you don't know what to do, I would argue that you need to have not just strong relationships, but strong foundation for ideas to mix. And so this is the whole point, like when Jobs built the new office, they made everyone have to walk and all this mixing of stuff occurring because they have like, I don't know how many people at their head office, I'm just making up another 10,000. Um, and so they wanted to try to get as many people bumping into each other and talking and mixing as possible. And that, that was intended to help them have more ideas. So to me, if you don't know what to do and you want ideas as part of a business, and I believe that, you know, hopefully all businesses do that, then the in-person stuff makes sense. It's just that there's also a time where not in-person makes sense. So again, you're at a big block of work. You don't want to be around if you're interrupted. You don't want that incidental, you know, building of relationships, serendipity, et cetera. So to me, people oversimplify in, oh, it's better or worse. Like, no, there is pros and cons to in the office and pros and cons to at home. And I think that for the vast majority of companies, some hybrid works, you know, and what is that balance? Well, I don't know. There, there are companies like Yelp that have got rid of offices entirely. I'm like, that is, in my opinion, a real big step. So I would argue that the hybrid makes sense and for about three days where everyone's in the same office at the same time is about the right one for me. Yeah, I, like I agree on just about, you know, everything you talked through there in this, the sense that, you know, what a hybrid model offers is those opportunities for, you know, emergence or synergy to occur where you can't really plan for it. Um, you know, a similar, I think I learned from you, Duncan, where Google would set up snack bars between teams in the office space, not so that they could, you know, position them, um, you know, in a efficient manner, but so that they could encourage, you know, cross pollination of uh, different areas of the business in, in ways that would not normally occur. And I think to, to take the extreme example of remote from home, uh, working from home, that your interactions are entirely dictated on who you jump on a Zoom call with. And it's, it's even more restrictive in a sense, because if you probably had those situations where you're sitting in a meeting and maybe one or two people are running, you know, a bit behind and so you're waiting and so you might be small talking or you might be listening to other people share other parts of their work. And so you've got this kind of like, you know, um, semination of other things that you have an opportunity either to build relationships, as you said, because you're doing nothing or because you pick up on other areas of the business that might need support or blockers that they're contending with. But if you're on a Zoom, 
you're literally either just sitting there, like your screen off, your mic off until the meeting starts, or you're only uh, dictating when you're going to talk to someone like this right now. We're only on this Zoom because we decided that we're going to have this podcast. You know, this, this screen is not open the entire day. And when Duncan and James are working and we decide that we suddenly need to tap someone on the shoulder, we can't just like say, hey, Duncan, like, you know, working on this, what are your thoughts? So I think like this hybrid model um, offers kind of like the best of both worlds. But I do think at the moment, it seems like a lot of people are asking for one extreme or the other. I don't think that's fair. I think that most people are asking for hybrid. <laughs> and there's always <laughs> people that like, I just want to do whatever I want to do. And that's fine. Um, but I think you should have touched on something. And I think it's fair. Like the pre-meeting and the post-meeting are often as important as the meeting. So again, different types of meetings, but we will talk about brainstorming meetings where it's just to try to you know explore. Synthesis meetings, you've done exploration, you need to come to a proposal. And then there's like information dissemination meetings. So you have, say, an email sent, and then you have discussion questions to also questions to understand and clarify. And so when you're walking back from those meetings to from, you know, you're, you're almost always not like not by yourself, you know, whoever it is, you're always talking with someone for the like one minute or two, well, I don't know how big your office, you know, to go back to the desk. And there's always little things that happen. And so it's, it's really funny that this is what they call this concentrated thinking and diffuse thinking mode. Um, this is diffuse thinking mode and it's sort of going there. And so this little bit of stuff, not just do you learn about people, but you also build bigger ideas. So again, to me, relationships are the infrastructure upon which communication occurs strong relationships you have strong communication you'll talk about whatever it is a big problem right so if you don't have a good relationship you have much less people willing to be comfortable talking but now that that's built you then also want to have on top of it so some talk is nothing time to build a relationship and some talk is doing something time and you need this incidental serendipity for the doing something time so you've got this you know communication line relationship built then don't put nothing across that infrastructure. So again, to me, it's very valuable to be able to have these things, but I don't believe that it makes sense for 100% of the time, right? Mm. It's, you know, what is the balance? Two or three days a week feels about right. And those days that you're in the office, everyone's in the office because then you have the proper mixing, not half the people in the office. Um, And so I think it'll actually become a competitive disadvantage for people to not have an office space at all. Like I'm not saying you should be there hundreds of time, but to have no office, that's that's bonkers. Yeah. So I think we've we've touched on a couple of really good points as to why you and I both agree that working in person is, you know, I I would say highly beneficial and you know is advantageous to people who work within an organization, right? So you, you're building this relationship, you're creating synergy, you're um, you know, we can we can we can talk to additional points, but we also seem to be on the same page that it doesn't then lend itself to say like, well, full time back at the office then because of all of these great reasons. We're saying hybrid is the balance between working from the office and working from home. So maybe we can talk about what our thoughts are on why working from home still has a place in you know the the modern workforce, right? Because you and I we're working from home right now, yeah. um, and. You know, the the obvious benefits are things like, you know, no commuting time. So you get more time back to yourself. But do you think it's as easy, as as simple as that? Or do you think there's actually more to it? Like I said before, um, commuting time done well, it depends how far you live, I suppose, is is a good break in the day. Um, And it's useful time to just relax, listen to music, listen to podcasts, read something, whatever, right? So commuting is necessarily a bug. Again, to me, the, the main one is that you can't be interrupted. 
So at, as I said, so the deep work is, is, is loud. So this is a time, a block of time where you can do something big. So in the office, you bump into people and talk to people way more. Whether it's at your desk, you know, whatever else it is. So to me, at home, that is much harder, but you use that to be able to go deep on something. So to me, that's the core thing. It's like literally there are blocks of work which are large, which you don't want to be interrupted for. It's kind of like sometimes you want to be in an office if you're at work, like your own office with a door. Like don't don't contact me. And other times you want to be you know out in an open plan office. Well, actually working from home is like being in your own closed office, right? And so everyone kind of has both now and there's benefits to being in an office and there's benefits to an open plan office, you know, and you get both. So, so I suppose to me, it's more like that. Now you have an office where you can't be distracted and, but you're also out, you know, amongst it with everyone. Whereas before you probably didn't have two desks that was excessive. So actually what's happened is everyone's had an upgrade. <laughs> I like this, you know, because you want to close the door at some times and you don't want to be interrupted. Uh, so you've got effectively a, you know, own, you know, corner office or whatever, or it depends where you live, I suppose, but also you have the, um, you know, works, you know, open and workplace. Yeah, I love it. Like, good news, everyone. You've been promoted. You get your own corner office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's this idea of control or maybe um, having a really clear distinction between, you know, what some people call manager time versus maker time. Yeah. Um, so you work in um, a tech team. They they like to think that they have a very different cadence of how they work, and so they like to have blocks of time mm. specifically carved out so that they can go deep on their work with zero interruptions, which is what I think you're talking to here, Duncan. Um, yeah. And so it's definitely, um, you know, I think it is really really relevant to think about right now. I'm not. I don't have any other coworkers around me. If they want to reach me, the best they can do is either you know reach me on messaging app or try and even call me but you know if i am you know deep in flow or if i'm preoccupied if i am doing anything else like you know i have control about what can come in or out of my um you know my world here when i'm working from home um but i and also just quickly i do agree also that commuting done well can actually be quite you know net positive for mm. for my commute which are considerable you know, all, more than two hours a day. I used one much, way or two hours total. Um, close to, I'd say about three hours total. So just over one and a half each way. But I use every single moment of that commute, either for reading, writing, working, or uh, listening to podcasts or giving Duncan feedback on. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the the thing about working from home, I think, and it's not the same for for everyone. Like. You know, you can have the luxury of, you know, either carving out a place in your home where you have your office environment versus the rest of your home. Um, yep. Or you can have, you know, other things where you're sharing your your, your livelihood with a partner, with a family, uh, with friends. You might still be co-living, um, you know, where it is that you are. So, <laughs> so it, it, it's, again, it's a very, very different thing. But I think, again, this is why hybrid helps. Because if you were to say like work fully remote, then that's just different arrangement for everyone. Mm. Whereas having the opportunity to come into an office where you can at least have that similar uh, opportunity to have an environment where you can focus, I think is a really, really powerful one. Yeah. So I'd say like, what's the different types of times that you should spend? <clears throat> so this is just my current 
instead of you now. You should have a all hands company offsite once a year. And that's like, I don't know, three days, four days sort of thing. <clears throat> so, and that's different and you meet other people. And then you have a team level offsite once a year. So like every six months it alternates, you know, whole company teams, right? Then you should probably have, that's a big team, your sort of sub team once a month, like a lunch, I think is, is sort of what, you know, we do. Um, and then once a month, so that'd be like, a, I don't know, a Thursday lunch because, you know, and then once a month we do Friday uh, team drinks where we will this, then you will have like, I don't know, one-on-ones, you know, say every fortnight. And then you might have a coffee with different people, you know, so two people randomly, like, I don't know, I have one a week normally with sort of one or two a week, this. And then there's in-person sitting next to people, you know, talking when you just turn, you have incidental chats. And then there's remote work. That makes sense. So to me, I would say you want remote work, in-person work, incidental chats, one-on-ones, you know, team monthly team lunch, monthly um, so you know monthly sub team lunch, monthly drinks for the company, and then you know six monthly offsite for your your mega team, and then six monthly offsite for the whole team. So it's it's all. And so to me, this is another type of time. So it's like, should you have offsite one hundred percent of the time? No, like everyone living there, you know. So. I mean, in China, they have that, you know, that you go and live on campus for certain types of jobs, right? You know, for Honhai or whatever else it is, right? And so to me, just like I think you should have probably a family WhatsApp, but then you might just ping your brother or sibling themselves and you should have phone calls, not no phone calls. And you should go and have dinner with your family, right? But you should also go and, I don't know, go to a sports game. It's different. Or, you know, we still do, a, you know, a family holiday a year um, for a week. You know, which is a kind of like a family offsite, I suppose. You know, and, and so <laughs> to me, um, it's not about or. All of these things have pros and cons, and you want to balance them. And so, to me, there is a new thing for the repertoire, which is working from home. So, working from home has some benefits, but it definitely has some bugs or cons versus working from the office. So, it, it's just oversimplification, all from office or not. It's like, well, no offsites. You know, you know, no team lunches. No, you know, it's like, no, we're ridiculous. We now have a new one. Cool. What portion should we be doing it? And how do we use it well? Yeah, so I think this is a really good um, model. And you brought it up earlier in terms of like relationship with friends as well. So it can be the same regard here with family. Like, I don't think there is, at least for me, a compelling argument anywhere in any type of relationship where it can only be done one way. Um, so, you know, from now on, I'm only going to base my relationship with Duncan in person. And, you know, everything else doesn't, um, you know, fit in with that. And I don't think that would work, particularly because of, you know, our current living arrangement. But even if we were living in the same city, we've got, you know, abilities to, you know, communicate on, you know, Messenger and all of that. We can call each other. We can send each other emails. We can send each other links for interesting articles. We are part of groups where we share interesting insights. And then we also do something like this, where we actually get on to a video call and we share our thoughts on a particular topic. So there's this idea of, well, it's a balance between in-person um, relationship building and virtual relationship building. Yeah, well, it's, it's not just that. I think, so this is a really good point. Like WhatsApp, you know, I don't use Facebook at all anymore. I don't have an Instagram. I only look at stuff on Twitter. I don't tweet, you know, um, or, or retweet. Um, and so now there'll be multiple groups, you know, so one with different things, like I have a politics chat, 
right? And then there's one which is just interesting stuffs. And then there's one which is like for my niece. And then there's one which is, I don't know, mates from school. And then there's one which is like startup crew or whatever, right? And some of these people are in the same groups so that makes sense. But the entire theme is very different. So there's one called philosophy, you know, whatever else it is, right? And it's really interesting. It's like, well, do you only want to have one type of interaction with a person? Like James and I, this is one facet of our friendship, not the only facet. And so I'm going to argue that all those equal, more ingredient types is better than less, but that you, sh- you know, you should be trying to figure out how to balance them all in a positive some way. So should we have some chats about politics? Yeah. Should we only talk about politics? Probably not. You know, as I say, is a carrot healthy for you? Yes. If you only ate carrots, you're probably going to die from malnutrition, right? So there is a new, you know, type of meal, if you want to call it this, or diverse thing part of diet. And I would say it's unwise to not have that as part of it. So I, I struggle to see Elon's full time in the office. But having said which, that might be because Tesla's a factory and the engineers are working. So there's no like, offices where there's computers versus the floor, as I understand, they're all working with each other. And so what we are creating at Ed Rollo isn't, is, is knowledge or, you know, in the, you know, text documents, et cetera, not a physical car, if that makes sense. <laughs> like we're making information. Uh, and so maybe then it can see for that. But if you are if you're doing knowledge work and your output is like, you know, bits, not, not, you know, actual, you know, you know, but, you know, physical stuff, then I think you should definitely probably have home work from home as part of it. Yeah, I think um, you and I probably agree that it seems more obvious to us that companies who are trying to push for full-time return to the office are not likely to succeed, right? So you've had, you've got Tesla um, putting their hat in the ring right now, but you've had companies like Apple, uh, McKinsey, Google, Intuit, all at one point saying, we plan to have a full-time return to the office, but they've all- None of those said that. They all said three days. Well, they all said... No, they said that we will have three days back in the office. They did not say... Google did not say, you're coming back five days a week. Apple did not say five days a week. They said three days a week. Yeah. And then they've recanted on some of those things. So they're not enforcing it. Right. But so yeah. they, they, they are at, at some point like now trying to manage what the, the balance is. And yeah. I guess so the, the, the question is, so if it seems obvious that it's not going to be full-time, back at the office, or it seems quite compelling, does it seem just as obvious or just as compelling for the companies that are saying full-time remote? Do we think that those companies could make it work in the long run? Because I think in the short run, you could run a business fully remote, but does that actually lend itself in the long term when there are opportunities like building these relationships and culture are now being missed? Yeah, like, again, different businesses, like the business, some business might be like the cost is the single most important thing. Mm-hmm. So it costs, do you know how much it costs to ship before the shipping prices went through the roof because of the recent, you know, supply chain backup? A pair of shoes from China to America. Do you know what it costs to ship a pair of shoes? To ship, it was like, I'm going to say 50 cents. 20 cents, right? And then, I don't know, you're buying Nikes for 150 bucks, right? <laughs> so effectively what that meant is that it, whoever had the cheapest labor on earth was where you went because the shipping costs were irrelevant versus the labor costs. Mm. And so for some businesses, then it's like, okay, well, they did a whole lot of, you know, uh, call center outsourcing to the Philippines or to India or wherever else it is, right? And that, that made more sense. And so I don't think there's one thing. Each business is different. And you've got to try this. So to me, um, I think, or so this is what I, for me, I'm trying to be the best at what I do in the world. 
and I want to work with people who are also trying to be the best. This means that you spend a lot of time upgrading and your, yourself and you care deeply about what you're doing. Now, that's not what everyone wants to do. That's fine, right? Um, but if that's the case, then if you want to build, like, I don't know, you want to win the Olympics, you want to be the premiership winning, you know, AFL team or the, you know, NBA team, then you are optimizing your workplace around that. So remote work is not, for me, optimizing flexibility. It is actually optimizing towards becoming the best. So the two days isn't a compromise. It's literally better than five days in the office. But zero days in the office is worse. So five days is worse than three days and zero days is worse than three days, but also I would say worse than five days in the office, June. Yep. And so to me, but that's not every company's goal. So again, some companies, it is knowledge works. So they can do it from anywhere in the world. Some companies, they can't. Like the, the Tesla factory is here and you can't, you know, bug, you know, or debug the, the machine. Um, and some companies, they're going at cost and some companies are going at being the best in the world. And so there isn't one answer, right? Uh, and so just specifically for the space, so I think more and more companies are knowledge-based, um, but honestly, many of them are just, just trying to be mediocre, frankly, in my mind. Uh, and so <laughs> if you don't have the mindset and the goal to be the best in the world, it's very unlikely you're going to be that. And so I am attempting to set up the work environment that most facilitates that occurring. And in my opinion, that means some work from home. What? I don't know, two days in my head. Yeah. So I think it might be um, like for the sake of argument then, like it might be simpler if we talk about companies that are, you know, you know, mission driven. So they do actually have a goal to improve the world at the very least. And if you're thinking about, yeah. you know, if you're thinking about the tech sector, um, then you would probably be well, well aware of competition. And so you would want to be putting yourself in a position where you are successful in the long term. And so it might not lend itself to um, your longstanding success if your objective is to just be average or mediocre. I think they're probably saying like, you know, we want to be number one or number two. Um, and so if then like someone like Atlassian, I think their goal is to be the number one IT support uh, software company in the world. And they're still saying, we think we can do this fully remote. For me, the, the interesting um, distinction to be made is, okay, so if we think we can do this fully remote, then you know we're giving up a lot of these things and a lot of the opportunities that come with building out a uh, you know, in-person culture that the organizations have been operating on for the last 150 years. And the, the one that I'm like, focusing on the most here is like direct interpersonal relationship. When you work alongside someone, you get to learn more about who they are as a person. And by doing that, you build a, a stronger foundation of things like trust, you know, collaboration, um, accountability, um, and which I think can help drive, you know, more long-standing results. If I'm working fully remote with someone, it's a, there's a less likelihood that I'm ever going to get to truly, you know, build that relationship. Yeah. yeah more transactional. And I don't know if, for example, when organizations are faced with a tumultuous market and they have to go through downturns and upturns, if people are going to be more, you know, um, stable or more, um, you know, surefire to want to go through those hard times together if they haven't built that relationship together. 
I mean, it's a really good point. So, so one of the things that Scott Farquhar, who's one of the co-CEOs of Atlassian said is that the number of people that work more, live more than an hour from the office has gone up. And so there's this kind of rule of thumb that sub one hour commutes people will deal with more than one hour. It's a real you know pain. And so that as such, they were missing a pool of possible candidates. And so by having work from the office, you were literally lowering the ability for people that you wanted to get there. But I'm going to say that you're also the best people want to have great relationships and want to work at companies that are aiming to the best. And I don't see how aiming to be the best means a remote 100% of the time. Mm. So yeah, you get access to some of these people, but also they're more flighty. So my mother and brother have a business called Mimi, which you know sells teats and other sort of baby feeding products. And there's about 15 people and they've been remote since the beginning. And they have struggled with a retention of employees since before COVID you know, and sort of now. And so, yeah, you got some people you wouldn't otherwise get, but you're going to lose a lot of people that you wouldn't otherwise have lost if they have no relationships. Mm. So what you're, you know, you're taking from the left hand to, to give the right, but I'm going to argue this overall net positive, net negative. And so to me, this is a sort of interesting thing, like, you know, Elon's companies, number one and number two for where engineers want to work. And so to me, this is, you know, and Elon, I think in my, it's not for everyone, it's a cup of tea, but inspiring for a lot of people. They've said that the actual number of people applying through engineering has gone up. So this is like Elon effect, like engineering is far more regarded than higher things. So even other companies, like is, is Atlassian number one for engineers? Hell no. You know, I'm not saying it's not a great company, but to me, it's like where, what I'm trying to do with Ed Rollo as an example is we want to make the best place that someone who wants to make education resources could work. And that's different to being an engineer, right? And actually a new job, you know, it's different. And so to me, if you want to be the best, you know, in the world, what you do, you also should be the number one place to work in the world for people that are versus this. And so in the case of say Tesla and SpaceX, they are number one and number two, so they're interchangeable in terms of where engineers aspire to work, despite extraordinarily hardcore, you know, culture of hours, et cetera. And so Elon's like, we're going back to the office. You don't like it, you're fired, right? And they're like, yeah, cool. Whereas other places are like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna lose some people that we struggle to get, and it's a tight job market, and so this you know the squeaky you know um, cog gets the oil sort of thing. So they are beholden. There's always some sort of balance between I don't know whatever the people running the company and the employees there. Mm. And to me, yeah, right now unemployment very low. You know, as an example. So I think it's a really good point. The the, the, the stickiness of the employees will be wildly lower. Mm. When when you brought up the idea of um, it being a transactional relationship, it made me think of the um, the model of mercenaries versus missionaries. Hmm. And so, like, what kind of people do you want to attract to your business, to your organisation? Um, you know, if you are a mission based uh, organisation and you want to change the world, you want to be the best at what you do. Um, you know, if you're attracting uh, missionaries, people who will buy into that mission, I would say will be much more likely to go the distance with you through the hard times as well as the, the good oh, yeah. times. And so when you think about like, like another thing I, th I think about is, you know, I have nothing but carrot will kill you. Well, I think about um, fully remote working for some people, it's kind of like sugar. Like it just, it feels, tastes, well, it, it just, it tastes great. You know, this idea of that I get to work from home for the rest of my life, like, yay. But I don't think a diet on just sugar is going to be good for you in the long term because you're not going to build up this, um, you know, this healthy balance of like, you know, engaging people directly in, and building up this sense of like actually uh, investing in the overall company vision. So for me, like this idea that people are now offering fully remote um, like work, who are you attracting? Are you attracting missionaries or mercenaries? Yeah. 
I like it. I mean, so it's, it's a different point. Like, so I think there's an oversimplification between 100% remote, 100% in the office. I am not saying 100% in the office makes sense. There's a, there's a new thing. It's just like you didn't used to have instant messaging at work, Slack. So I think Slack done well is better than no Slack, you know, and Slack done poorly is worse than no Slack. You didn't need to have email. This you had literally on your desk, an inbox in an outbox, and you take something from the inbox, you do the work, and then you say, go to so-and-so and put it in the outbox, and someone comes and picks it up from the mailroom and delivers it to wherever it needs to go, right? Um, so is email better? You know, yes, and it's a type of communication, literally. So it's in replacement. So it used to be only, I don't know, in-person meetings, and then they got you know, the ability to write paper and whatever else it is. So then you could have, you know, sending letters, and then you could actually have the telegrams, because it's going to be and then you could have the, you know, phone, and so to me, it's not that, oh my God, we should only do phone or something. I think it's an oversimplification. There is a new type of work. And like almost all things, it has some features and some bugs and done well, it'll be better than, you know, not having it and done poorly, it'll be better than, you know, uh, than, so it'll be worse than not having it. And so to me, this is really, really important. I think that done well, a combination of in office and remote will mean that you get the better people, you know, and you have them stick around for longer, longer retention, and you have higher productivity and you have higher creativity. So you get all. Um, so to me, there isn't a trade-off here. The trade-off would be to be either fully in office or fully remote, not having it in the middle. And so to again, like if you're in the office and 10% of people are there, there's no point being in the office. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you can do much, much, much better. Of course, we have a new option figure out or ingredient, figure out how to layer it in to improve the overall recipe. Uh, that's something really interesting because um, I'm noticing this in my, myself when I'm in my current hiring process, like, and the invariable, the, the question invariably comes up, you know, like what is your working arrangement? And I say, we have a hybrid model, you know, three, um, three in the office, but you get to work two from home. And hearing me say that is kind of like I am capitulating or I'm, you know, making a, an accommodation is like, yeah, you've got three days in the office, but you get two days from home. Whereas like, if I strongly, if I truly believe that that is the optimal model, that should be the selling point. That should be for me, I, um, thinking about like, we believe this is the best working condition for you to succeed as well as having, you know, the other um, parts of your life uh, maximized as well. So I think um, this is actually a really good uh, you know, exercise to think about, like not about how do you, you know, just give a little, say like you can have two two days working from home, but how can you reframe it into saying like, this is actually in our view, the optimal working uh, model. You know, mm -hmm. like we've got three days where you come in and you build, you you become part of the team. You build this mission together. You create relationships that, you know, are meaningful. And then you've got the two, two days at home where it's not like a break from the office, it's an opportunity to do deep work. It's an opportunity yep. to have yep. control on your time. Um, so I think that's actually um, pretty good selling point that at least myself, I'm not taking um, advantage of. Like, so, so we, um, Edwallo has made progress and hopefully we'll continue to do so. Uh, and so look, the, the last office we sort of running out of its lease, um, we were looking for a, an affordable office, shall we say? Um, and it, it had some like personality and like it rained through the roof when they had a big rainstorm and the air conditioning didn't work properly. And, but you know, it was kind of nice. Whereas the, the office that we've moved into at the start of the year, I wanted it to be something nice that people looked forward to and that gave them energy. It was literally a selling point. Um, 
And yeah, it's got 60% or 50, because, you know, other teams are two days, you know, in the office, you know, sales, you know, is meant to be out at schools, speaking to schools a lot, you know, so it makes sense that, you know, they're less or whatever. Um, but just as a good home can give you energy and a bad home can take energy from you or a good classroom can give you energy or a bad classroom will take energy. There's lots of studies on that or a well-designed hospital will literally mean that you leave sooner and you have less, you know, coming back because, you know, you've had a problem. Um, a good office is something that gives you energy to look forward to and then good co-workers, et cetera. Um, so to me, some people want maximum flexibility. Okay, cool. Um, but if you are aiming to be the best, then I think the in-office is part of it and you want a nice office. So not just are we having in-office, we have a nice shiny office. It's got a view, it's got sweet hangout areas. You know, you get nice 4K screen, you get all this stuff. We're not buying you the cheapest laptop because, you know, it's, you know, it's got keyboard. We're buying you a nice brand new MacBook, right? And yeah, it costs, like, I think the ones that cost them three and a bit grand, you know, it's in a rounding error versus people's salaries. And other places will literally be like, oh, we'll get the $1,500 laptop. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, you're literally, this is not saving money. It's causing pain. You know, it's making people feel unvalued. It's making them not this. And so to me, a quality office and good people to work with, which you enjoy is absolutely core. So again, yeah. when you put lots of people together, there is a possibility of an emergent layer where you can do something a much, much more than any one individual and having a good computer and a good office and good coworkers is core to that, good relationships. So to me, optimize or again like we are optimizing to be the best not optimizing to be lowest cost or you know whatever else it is i can i can actually remember back in um the early days of when i was working at the iconic putting a business case forward for the justification of why i needed a high performing computer because of the actual time it would save just yeah. on opening the computer and not having to wait for it to load up every single time on that time alone it like yeah. paid for itself within a year so it, it definitely you know it, it's not just about making people feel good and valued which i think are very much valuable um but like it, there, there are actual um you know tangible uh, impacts to those kind of things as well and i do agree that investing in a a space where people can feel inspired and uh where they can feel um that you know this is a company that wants to actually you know give them the opportunity to do their best work in is a, is a large part of that selling point um and i probably acknowledge that it's not the same case for everyone so it is still i think an interesting distinction in terms of well right now it's a i would say it's a job seekers market you know unemployment rate super low um you know there is at least in my experience, a significant talent shortage. And so the the candidates are more or less setting the standard. They, they get to decide like, well, you don't give me what I want. I'm going to go to a company that will. But this, I don't imagine, is just going to play itself out forever. And it's, it's, already, hmm? it's already turned, I think. It's already turned. So what do we think is going to happen when that starts to turn? Like, do we think that companies, because they now have the bargaining power, are going to shift in their mentality or, you know, to take your approach, Duncan, thinking about the longer term game as what is the optimal, uh, you know, model. Yeah, like Scott Galloway um, in one of the, his blogs a week or two or three ago, um, was talking about how if you're younger, uh, you, you wanna get your career going well, mm -hmm. then you obviously wanna get opportunity and promotions. Yeah. And so to me, it's kind of like, you, you, something will come up 
just like random, every single day there's some random thing like you call emergent work and that I need help with or whatever else it is. And then it's just kind of like, well, who? And you just go with like this person, like whatever it is, right? And so I remember when I was younger, I specifically had a strategy to literally stick my hand up for everything. And then there's two opportunity, that which is given to you and that which you give to yourself. And then to put forward ideas to the senior people, you know, hopefully good ideas so that they knew I was keen. And so I wanted them to think if there's something that they have coming, I want their, me to be the first person that comes to mind, like systematically. And then hopefully this will mean that all else equal, I get more opportunity than not. So it was a considered strategy and this happens. So if you want more opportunity at work, you want to get that promotion, you want to get on that new you know, project, have a better relationship with somebody. You know, it's not just that it makes work more enjoyable, that you feel more part of a community, not just mm. a bunch of, you know, Excel cells and it passes it over to the next L cell, Excel cell and does its thing, right? <laughs> um, it's, I think, a very, very silly strategy to, to not be in the office and trying to build relationships with those key people. Um, but it, it, it works both ways. So again, strong relationships, all else equal, mean more positive sum or emergent possibilities. Um, yeah. I yeah. I would have to say, like, I, I completely agree with that. And for me, my anecdote to that is I've had a lot of people, when I work for professional services companies like Accenture or BCG, I've had a lot of people complain to me about the politics within the organization, which is when you work for a professional services company, the general model is that they put a, a project together where the partner or the sponsor of the project gets to pick and choose who they have joined those teams. And if you're not friends with the partner or the project sponsor, you don't get picked. And so they say, well, it's just a buddy system. Like as, lo as long as you get on well with the, the partner and the, um, the sponsor, then you get chosen. But if you're not, then it's, a, it's not a meritocracy. And my response to that is what I have actually found is the first thing that the partner really cares about is, can you, can you help me win this project? Can you help me do a really good job? can I rely on you to do your part of the, of the work so that I am successful? And then when I find that that answer can be satisfied, they can then depend on this person. And that's the point in which a stronger relationship is built. And that's the point where they may become friends or they may become closer than other people in the office. Mm. So to, to that, I would say like, if you can become super reliable, if you can become the person that everyone looked at in the office to get shit done, then they're actually going to look favorably on you in multiple dimensions. So I don't think, um, think about it the other way. If you were just friends with someone, but you were shit at your job, I don't think that they would want you on your team regardless. Can I say that either you're building a unit of credibility or burning a unit of credibility with every interaction on work time? Outside of work time, no. And so obviously you want to build units of credibility and the relationships are the residue of credibility. So all else equals, not just because like, I don't know, that person likes the same footy team I like or something. So the core of work is the is the you know, output you've done. It's not everything, but I'm going to argue it's a, it's a vast majority. And so to me, being able to have these interactions allows the possibility of building unit of credibility or burning unit of credibility. Mm -hmm. And you might be like, oh, yeah, that person, that's just because they're friends. Like, well, that's actually because they have had significantly more interactions and each interaction that's good. So if your percentage that's building versus burning is high, they come to you, you know? And so you want mm. the number of things under the bridge, like, okay, you've had 10 and that person's had 20. Well, their relationship should be stronger because they've had 20 interactions and you've had 10. And, but if they're 20, 
they've had a 25% win rate, five, and you've had an 80% win rate. They're going to go to you. They're going to get, you know, less of these things. So to me, some of those interactions are work-related. I'm going to argue the majority, but some of them are not. And that's not necessarily time wasted. I, I, when I first started working, I was trying to do the best job possible. And I thought anytime not working was me slacking off and I did not want to be seen to slack off. I wanted to work as hard as humanly possible. I wasn't trying to get one over the company, the opposite. I was trying to deliver the single best value proposition they've ever had so that they would give me the next opportunity. <laughs> um, and so it was like, you know, you can trust me. Like implicitly, I will, I'm here to help, you know, as much as possible. So I think definitely what you've said. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of like lends itself to having this opportunity you know, working in, you know, in the presence of others, as opposed to fully remote, like if you can think of like the brilliant jerk, right? So they, <laughs> they, um, you know, the, the current, um, you know, zeitgeist is, you know, brilliant jerks are bad for your organization because they can like breed toxicity within the team uh, and the overall team's performance is affected as a result of it. And how does that play itself through, you know, a remote only arrangement is, well, if you're entirely dependent on, you know, being on Zoom calls in order for you to collaborate with other people, then it's going to be very hard for you to, um, you know, to foster that kind of relationship if you don't have any real foundation in the first place, right? So mm -hmm. if you, you might be super good at your job where people will just send you a, a Jira ticket or they'll just send you an email like, hey, can you do this? Mm -hmm. But in building anything out above that, like you said, if you're new in your career, if you're at the beginning and you want to you know, actually build your career ladder, you want to be promoted. I think a large part of that is based on the relationship. There are people who make decisions on your career. Um, and I, and I don't know, I don't think it's helpful to focus solely on the work and not the relationship as well. Yeah, if it's all right, James, and it's like an hour, um, I've got a meeting I have to get to, <laughs> speaking of which. So, so let's do the summary. Um, to me, I think that if you talk about, you know, a company is a collection of people um, and a good collection of people has far more than the sum of its parts and a bad collection of people is less than the sum of its parts. And so a sum of its parts, what, what does that mean? Well, longevity, all those equal. If you've been there for longer, you probably have more ability to help more connections with others than, than less. So longevity is better than short. Two is how much you know other people. So for instance, then you can get things done. Then there is productivity and productivity is normally related to how much you care about the company, which is how much relationships, how much you can get done and then better creativity. So you want lots of people that stick around for a long time who are highly productive and who are highly creative. I'm going to argue that some balance of work from home and work from the office is the optimal. And as you said, if you do work from home a hundred times, then you have more flighty people you're going to have lower relationships. So therefore you're going to have lower ability to get things done. So therefore you have lower productivity. And because you mix each other less, you have lower creativity. And then the, the whole trajectory of the company slows down. And so to me, we didn't used to have phones and we didn't used to have WhatsApp. We should, no, should we get rid of WhatsApp? Like, no, it, you know, it, it's, it's silly. We didn't used to be able to do whatever it is, video calls. Should we get rid of video calls? No. Um, so to me, we have a new ingredient called work from home. We need to figure out how to make it work for us, uh, pardon the pun, not we work for it, <laughs> and to try to have it become more positive sum so that the outcome is a better outcome than there was before. And this is not some, well, I, want to work. I want to do whatever I want, whatever I want the whole time. Sure. Um, that's called being unemployed. You know? <laughs> so if you, if you want to you know, be part of a team, you can't do whatever you want the whole time. You know? mm. And so some of the time, sure, but not all the time. 
And so to me, I think that hopefully many, many people are aiming to be the best at what they do in the world. And they're aiming to have a company that's going to break new ground and improve you know, the outcomes of humanity. And I can't see how some working from home and some working from the office isn't a core part of that. Hmm. All right. Well, that was pretty, uh, pretty good summary, Duncan. I don't know how I'm going to be able to add to that. So, um, okay. So my experience um, in pretty much my entire working life up until 2019 was you come into the office and you work here full-time, five days a week minimum because that is the only way as, a, as an organization, we are going to succeed. Uh, and it wasn't questioned. Um, there, was, there was no negotiation over that arrangement. Uh, 2019, COVID hit, and then suddenly it was the opposite. You have to stay home. You can only work from home. So we had to figure out how that was going to um, function for an indefinite period of time, but everyone made it work. And so now we're on the other side. and companies and individuals are trying to figure out what makes the most sense. Some companies like Elon Musk, uh, like Atlassian, are opting for the extremes. And they're saying like, no, you must come back in for a minimum of 40 hours. Or they're saying like, hey, our employees can work from anywhere because we think that's going to attract the most talent. Um, but from, you know, from what you and I have discussed, I do think that for an organization, which is a collective of people um, organized around a similar, uh, the same goal, the foundation, I think, of a long-standing successful business is relationships and people who are actually invested in the mission. So they're missionaries and not mercenaries. And for that to be possible, I think, or at least the optimal arrangement for that is to have opportunities where people can be present in person for, I would say, at least two, but maybe three days a week. The, the upside to the remote side is that you mentioned is not just like you now get a break from coming into the office is no, you now get opportunities on top of that to have your own corner office and get into, um, you know, deep work mode and have no, no interruptions, um, and have that opportunity as well. So I think spending the time like you and I have now, you know, talking about this on an hour, which is impressive in its own right. <laughs> Yeah. Just think about how this makes sense. There's not a single topic we haven't been to talk about for an hour, which I, I, I always find it sometimes that we like, oh, we'll get it to 15 minutes in and be like, nothing, nothing left. Yeah. Um, help to really break down why this is actually meaningful for you. And for, for me, like, what I'm going to take away from this is that, like, no, it's a selling point that we have a mm -hmm. hybrid model. It's yeah. not a capitulation or some accommodation. It's actually, exactly. in, in, in my view, the best, um, you know, the, the best. Built, uh, set up for us to, you know, rally around a mission, build long-lasting, meaningful relationships, and give you the opportunity to to be as productive as possible. So yeah, yay! All right, James. Well, <laughs> both of us are remote working today, so let's get onto some more remote work. Um, yeah, back into that deep work. I'll speak to you soon. Cheers, Duncan. Bye.